Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Welcome to the podcast of the Kadesh Family Church, Newark Branch, a place where Jesus resides. Our main goal and purpose is to provide the solid foundation of Bible-based teachings for our day-to-day living. Preached to you by our residing pastor, Reverend Dr. Charles Osset. We hope you are blessed by the Word of God, and may your life never be the same. Last Sunday was wonderful. Like I said, this is the beginning of the work, so we have to keep on evangelizing. Amen. Hallelujah. Today, for a brief moment, I'm going to talk to you about something that we started. We're going to, yeah, we're going to finish it off. Hallelujah. I started talk, we started talking about three important uh, Hebrew words or Greek words, whatever you want to call it that are of significance to your life as a Christian and your life in anything that you do. Hallelujah. And I'm talking about Anakazu. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 14 from verse 15 to 24. The Bible says, and when, you see when you come to church, make sure the Bible is read. Okay? Don't go to any church that they don't read the Bible. Do you understand what I'm saying? The church is not, the, the, church is not the place to read, read the Wall Street General. Read the Bible. So when we come, we say, I mean, gone are the days where people used to carry Bible to church. Now people don't carry Bible to church. One day the computer will freeze and we'll see what we will do. <laughs> Hallelujah. But let's read the Bible. I was like, and when one of them that started at meet with him heard these things. He said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bid many. And he sent the servant to supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I ain't coming. Okay? So that servant came and showed the Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, and he said, uh, said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto him, the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel and compel and compel them, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Compel. So the word there is the word we're talking about. The word compel is the word anakazo. Hallelujah. To compel them. 
to necessitate. And I started by saying, like, the reason for this compulsion or necessitation is that it's what Jesus said. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Are you here with me? Blessed is he. Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom. In other words, it is a blessing to be in church. It's a blessing to be in the house of God. It is a blessing to be in the kingdom of God. But the fact that something is a blessing does not mean that people understand it. For the same reason why food is good for a child. But the child doesn't want to eat. Is somebody hearing me? You would think that the food is good for the child. So if you are a mother and your attitude is that, well, if you don't eat, I don't care. Then you are not a good mother. And I am yet to see a mother who, in trying to feed a, a one-year-old, who doesn't want to eat the food, the mother will say, forget it. If you eat it, forget it. Then you are not a good mother. Mothers go through all sorts of gymnastics just to feed a child. Mothers will do all sorts of gymnastics. Some of them, they will sing, they will dance. One for you, one for, one for you, one for me. You see, you see a mother eating cereal because they want it. A mother will be eating baby food. Hmm? Francisca, what I'm saying is not true. You see a grown-up mother, a grown-up mother, he'll be eating infamil. Then, I mean, not that the mother wants to eat the infamil, but whatever it will do so that the baby can eat. Yes. I know a little girl who will tell the father, daddy, dance before I eat. So he said, the father will be dancing. Before she eats. Cerelac. A grown-up woman eating cerelac. What is it? We still eat it. At your age. <laughs> at your age, you still eat it. Yeah. But you see, it's all done so that you know the importance of the food to the child. So you go above and beyond to make sure that the child takes it. And the Bible says that blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom. Because we know how important it is to eat bread in the kingdom. That's why the master said that even though people may give excuses because they don't understand, you and I have to compel them. Hallelujah. So as we are reading this story, you know, we learn certain things. I told you certain things about the difference between the master and the servant. And that, and that is just for your own education or for, or, or for your own thinking or for your own way of doing things because there were two people involved. The servant accepted the excuse. The master did not accept it. So, so we learned that the ease, the ease with which we accept excuses is a sign of thinking like a servant. Because if you're a master, you don't take excuses. So the fact that people can give you an excuse all the time and you will accept it, you are not a leader. A leader must not, a leader must learn to overcome excuses. Because it is the nature of people to give you an excuse. 
That's how we are. It is the nature of people. So if, if you want to lead people well, then one of the things you must learn to do is to overcome excuses. And if, including, including if you want to lead yourself well. You see, if you want to lead yourself well, you must, come, you must overcome excuses because for most of the time, you give excuses to yourself. I'm preaching. You give excuses to yourself. No, you know, I can't do this. You know, because of this, you are giving excuses to yourself. And one of the fantastic things I find about the Word of God is that when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to the Bible, there is always a control. When I say a control, like, as soon as you don't understand it. But in science, <laughs> Gabby, the students don't understand it. But when you are doing science, there's something called a control group, a control experiment, okay, so they can compare. You understand what I'm saying? The art students are lost. But there's no the control. And when it comes to, so for God to be fair, for God to be a good God, there's always a control. Otherwise, God will not be just. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever excuse you are giving for not doing, somebody has the same problem he's doing. That's why, that, that is why the Bible, that's why the Bible said that two shall be in the field. Go and read that scripture. Two shall be in the field, and one shall be taken, and one shall be left behind. Two shall be in the field. It's a control. It's not, it's not like you are the only one in the field. It's the field that you are there, somebody will go there, but somebody will go to heaven, and you will not go to heaven. <laughs> There's also a control. That's, that's the thing. You see, otherwise, God will not be a fair God. For God to be fair and for God to be judged, whatever you are going through, somebody else is going through. So that you cannot stand on your excuse. He said, two, he said, two shall be in the field. Two. Not that one is in the field, one is in the sea. Then one is there, oh, because I was in the sea, that's why I couldn't go. You are both in the field. Hallelujah. So, there is always a control group. Always. Always. So, you must learn to overcome excuses. Amen. Especially, yeah, put your hands together for the Lord. You see, especially, especially, excuses to yourself. Look, we can tell ourselves excuses, oh. We are good at telling ourselves excuses. I didn't do because of this, because of that. Because, look, everything you see. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you know, uh, because of my upbringing, the way I was abused as a child. Listen, you are not the one who was abused. It's a whole lot of people who abuse as children. So don't stand on it not to perform. Two shall be in the field. Hallelujah. So let us overcome self-excuses. Tell your neighbor, overcome self-excuses. You're not the only one who has homework. That is a lot. Now the homework is too, a lot. They gave us English, and they gave us math, they gave us The thing is that you are not the only person in the class. So everybody got the homework. Hallelujah. So excuses, we talk about it. And I think that if you want to go forward in life, learn to overcome excuses. You see, always accepting excuses is a servant way of thinking. And the master master was angry. He said, no, no, I'm not going to take this. Go to the highway and compel them. 
they, when they brought them, they said there's room. There's still room. Which is another way. Another way, of, another way of thinking like a leader. You can even call this a leadership series. Another way of thinking like a leader is that you are not satisfied. A leader is not satisfied when there's, when there's room. In other words, some of us are easily satisfied with very little. He said, no, 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 no. There's room. There's more room. There's more degree to pursue. There's more people to... You cannot end your life with DJ and say that you are okay. There's more. But we get so satisfied with little. You see, and that's... Let me tell you the difference. You see, that satisfaction with little is not a sign of contentment. It's a sign of laziness. Sometimes you are lazy. That's why, you know... You see, when you see people who are achieving, oh, they, they are not content, they are too greedy, they want too many things, uh, it, it may not be true. You are rather lazy. That is why you are satisfied with a one-bedroom and you say, it's okay. So it's not, it's not every contentment that is really godly. Some of them are born out of laziness. So I appreciate you. As much as you should not acquire and be greedy for things, some contentment is also born out of laziness. You see, there's, 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 there's room in my house. So, room. You know, one, one, um, are you here with me? You see, one, one economic professor. You see, that, that thing, there's room. You see, so long as there's room, it must be filled. Amen. One, one economic professor once said that, it is not good economics. He said, it is not good economics to leave the 99 sheep and go for the one. The Bible said, Jesus, Jesus Christ had the 99 sheep and he left the 99 to go for the one. And the guy said, it's not good economics to leave 99 and just go for one. And it's true. If you have 99, why do you leave it and go for one? That's what the guy said. It's not good economics. To leave 99 and go for the one. Then the pastor said, that is true. But if you were the one, you will appreciate it. <laughs> if you were the one, you won't talk about good economics. Because you are not the one. Are you understand what he's saying? Yeah. If you were the one. Hallelujah. So there's room. And so let's go for the lordship. So, I mean, so that we, I gave you a bit of background to the Anakazuman. The two few words, the two last words we're going to talk about briefly today is the, the two words, the Biazo. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, verse 11 and 12. Matthew 11, 11 to 12. He said that, verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Verse 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, which is up to 2020, from the time that John came, up to 2020, the kingdom, 2022, sorry. Why do I still say 2020? <laughs> 
the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. From the day of John up to 2022, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. The word there force is the Greek word biazo. Force your way through. See, I will give you a background why when it comes to the kingdom of God, you need to force your way through. Hallelujah. Force your way through. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And the violent, you see, the way the, the violent take it by force, it means that certain laid back attitude, certain uh, retired attitude cannot lead to the salvation of people. If you want people to be saved. It means a certain way of doing things. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And if you want to enter the kingdom, if you want to break through in the kingdom, then we need a certain level of aggression. Hallelujah. Look, what, and you can understand the scripture when you compare it to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4. You can understand. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, Paul said that, in whom the God of this world had blinded the eyes of them which believe not, let the, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God? Shush. The Bible says the God of this world, Douglas, he has blinded them. So if you think people are going to see your gospel with your Mickey Mouse games, they won't see it. They are blind. People are blind. Because the God of this world is Satan. And Satan has blinded the eyes of your friends. So just being casual about them, they will not be saved. Hallelujah. Satan has blinded the eyes of your cousin. Satan has blinded the eyes of your friend, your mother. Your, their eyes are blind. They can't see. So if you think by just, oh, it's been a while since I saw you in church, they will come. They won't come. That is why you need Biazo. You have to force your way through. Hallelujah. If you look at the death rate in the world, you'll be amazed. I was just googling the death, the death rate in the, the death rate of every country. In China, in China, thirty thousand people die every day. Google it. China has a death rate of thirty thousand every day. Thirty thousand people die in China. In India, the death rate per day is 28,000. Every day, 28,000 people die in India. Do you know in America how many people die every day? You want to know? I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about corona. I'm talking about normal death rate. In the USA, it's, it's on the internet. Go, go to the US data center. In the USA, the death rate is 7,908. Almost 8,000 people die every day in America. 8,000. 8,000 every day in America. Never thought about it. People are dying, though. Every day. 8,000 people die in this country. Every day. 
I'm not talking about COVID death. This is the normal US 8,000 death per day. 8,000 death per day means that five people die every minute. Every minute, five people are dead. Every minute. So since we came to the church, every minute, five people are dead. Every minute, five people die in the US. And, I'm, and, and the US is not some war stricken country. I'm not talking about Somalia, where there's hunger. There, no, no, I'm talking about a place where there's McDonald's, Burger King, and KFC. Five people die every minute. Five a minute. Is that, is that scary? Is that scary? That five people die every minute? And the question is you ask them, where are they going? Where are they going? Five a minute. See, and, the, and, 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 and the devil has blinded their eyes. People are singing and dancing their way to hell. Yeah. One of the sad stories, if you go and read the Second World War, the gas chambers. You know, when they were going to the gas chambers, the Jews, then they, they, they put them in the, in the way they would, they, they would take them and they would, they would take them through a tunnel. And in the tunnel, they were playing music. So they were playing music. They put the, the Holocaust, they put them in, the, like from, they come and pick you up, like in your house, they come and run them up, they put them in the concentration camp, and then in the morning when they're about to execute them, they take all of them, strip them naked, and put them in the hallway playing music. And as they were listening to the music, they didn't know that at the end of it was the gas chamber. So you are walking here singing, not knowing that you are walking to the gas chamber. They were singing and singing lullaby to their death. That's how wicked the Nazis were. Because the last thing you would think when you are playing music is that at the end of the tunnel there's a gas chamber. Bible said the God of this world he has blinded their eyes. Hallelujah. So one, look, that is why God sent his son. If you didn't get my message last Sunday, I'm repeating it. God sent his son to save the lost. And the Bible said that, that the God of he has blinded. So people don't you, you, you ask yourself, why can't they see? They can't see because their eyes are blinded. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That's why they can't see. Amen. So we need to force our way through. They can't see. They can't see. Sometimes you ask yourself that, what else will it take for this person to be saved? You, you see somebody, you, you have lost your job, you have lost your children, you have lost everything, and still doesn't believe God. You ask yourself, what, is, what else will it take for you to believe God? Eyes have been blinded. Hallelujah. So we should force our way through. Look, the price of salvation is very high. God paid a high price to save us. Amen. Hallelujah. Souls are very vulnerable to God. Yeah. Souls are very vulnerable. Souls are very vulnerable to God. 
Sometimes when we read this parable, we don't, I mean, we give another reason. But you see, I'm going to read this part. In Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew 13, verse 44, Douglas, you see, there's a parable that sometimes we give it another meaning. But it's also another meaning. Matthew 13, 44 and 45. Matthew chapter 13. He said, I look at it, he said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in the field. The which when a man had found, he hid it. And for joy thereof, go it and sell it all that he had and buy it that field. Then the second one said that, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. This one. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, conventional interpretation that we give to this parable is that when you find God, leave everything to follow God. That's what we is that what we have? We give it that when you find God, you must leave everything and follow God. Isn't that what you say? I found Jesus. I mean, like, I mean, like the world behind me, the cross before me. That we sing something like the world behind me, the cross. No, uh, what? No turning back. So conventionally, we say that when you find Christ, you leave everything and follow Christ. You see, but let me tell you something. This parable has another meaning. Okay? Do you know what I mean? This parable also means that, this, uh, to me, this is what I believe that it means. This parable, you see, they say, a man found a treasure. And when he found a treasure in a field, okay, the treasure was hidden in the field. Obviously, obviously, he cannot claim the treasure without owning the field. Do you understand what I'm saying? He found a treasure in the field. And you cannot just claim the treasure without owning the field. So he must own the field first before he can claim the treasure. Just like currently, just like I mean, let's say by the grace of God, where you are living now, they find that there's gold in the, gold in the backyard. <laughs> May that be your story. May one day somebody find gold in your backyard. Immediately. What are you if you bought a house for 200,000, 300,000? You are a rich man because so long as the deed of the land belongs to you and gold is found there, you are true. Actually, I know somebody that happened. Not here in Ghana. They had their family had farms, cocoa farms, and they discovered gold on the land. I mean, they discovered gold on their father's cocoa farms. You are set. Just set the concession and chill. Yeah, I know somebody who had that. So I actually know somebody personally who had that experience. That they found gold in their family farming land. Immediately, you pack your things from America, you'll be going back. <laughs> Is somebody hearing me? I, th- I, think, I think it would be a nice dream that one day they, they can find something in my, behind my house. Because I have about an acre behind my house. If they can discover. <laughs> that would be so sweet. So the Bible says, before you can take that thing, you have to go and own the land. So the guy sold everything to buy the land. 
so that he can become the rightful owner of that treasure. So can you agree with me that obviously, obviously, the treasure was more, the value of the treasure was more than the land. Otherwise, he won't buy it. Do you understand? If the, if, if the, let's say, if the treasure was worth, I mean, the treasure, the treasure must be worth, say, a thousand dollars for him to buy the land for 500. If the treasure was worth 200, he would not buy the land for 500. It would be a loss. So the fact that he has to sell everything, it means that that treasure was more. Does it make economic sense? Otherwise, he will not sell it. Why will you sell, I mean, why will you do something that will bring a loss? For which I also know one person. I know one person who was doing a business that was not bringing profit. And you know what he was doing? This person was married to her husband and her husband was well off, was, was okay. And the husband, the wife said that I want to run a boutique. You know a boutique? Somewhere in Accra. Accra is a place in Ghana. She wants to run a boutique. So the boutique is that, you know, they, ha- they have these stylish things that they sell there. And she rented a shop for which expensive shop in an expensive area for which the monthly rent was more than what she was selling in the boutique. I mean, the monthly rent was more than what she was getting selling at the boutique. So the husband said, why do you even get up in the morning to go to this thing that will bring us a loss? Do you know her answer? I like sitting at the boutique, boutique when my friends come and see. <laughs> it's like the whole idea that I'm sitting at the boutique, I've done my nurse and my friends come to see and that's what. It does not make economic sense but she just like it. I'm preaching. Because I know I have a friend of mine who told his wife, look, this nigga is not bringing money. Go and do sell spare parts. So, how can a woman sell spare parts? Is that how can a woman sell spare parts? The woman then in the morning, I'm just carburetor. <laughs> no. So, listen, it doesn't make sense. So, obviously, the land, the, the, the pearl must be more than the land. That's why he sold everything. Do you know why? We always think of it that way, but this parable, this parable also refers to how God bought us. Because our soul was precious, he gave up everything to buy us. Because we are precious. That is why, because he said he sold everything. And that's what God did. God gave up his son. He gave up everything to buy you. Because he found you as precious. He found me as precious. So he sold everything. That is how expensive. You see, let me tell you something. Without a shadow of doubt, the value of things, anything, anything that is of value is expensive. Have you just noticed that anything of value is expensive? That is why when you go to the store, you find that the, the shoe that you like, when 
you pick it up and you flip under and you see the price, you put it down again. <laughs> Have you had that experience before? You see some nice jacket. Then you take it and you look inside. Then you put it back. Then you go back to the sale rack. The one that you go to. <laughs> you go through the sale rack. You go through by thing. And as, as you are seeing, you can see that anything that, look, anything nice is expensive. It's a fact. You see, ah, this bag looks nice. Then you look at it. Then you take the tag. And some of you have a, some of you are so mysterious, you remove the tag. And then go to the table and say, there's no price on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I know you. <laughs> I know you. You just remove the tag and then go to the table and say that there's no tag. It's on. Mom, why did you pick it up on our sales? Where there's the sale? It says 50% of me. Where there was no. <laughs> God should forgive you of your sins. Because <laughs> anything, ex- anything precious is expensive. Anything good is expensive. And because your soul is good, it costs God everything. His son. He sold everything just to buy you. Hallelujah. That is why we must be active with soul winning. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. We must force our way. We must force our way. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence because souls are precious. Hallelujah. This church is, that's our church from Bishop Dad. Our church is a soul winning church. So if you don't like soul winning, you will not enjoy our church. And the reason why we are aggressive with soul winning is that we know that in every area of life, when you please the boss, the boss will bless you. That is why even at your job place, make sure that the CEO will do what he likes. Don't do what the laborer likes you. Because he doesn't sign your paycheck. Your boss is your boss. So when people are doing something that the boss doesn't like, stay away. Don't, don't, don't form unnecessary alliance and solidarity. Yeah. The Bible says if a man who pleases God, he even causes his enemies to be at peace with him. Amen. So, force your way through. I can also say, I can also say that once again, like I said, I said everything nice is precious. You know, and, and another thing is that everything important, okay, secular, even in this world, everything important, you have to fight for it. Amen. Oh, yeah. And, and some things, listen to me, guys, some things you are naturally excluded from because of who you are. Some things you are naturally excluded from because of who you are and where you come from. And therefore, to get there, you need to perform better. And I'm, and I'm saying, listen to me carefully. Sometimes, based on the color of your skin, some things you can never get. Don't look at me in a funny way. 
So for you to get there, you see, it, it, there's already a select, they're already selected that you are not supposed to be here. So for you to be there, you must perform above average. Just by the fact of where your skin and your accent, they say that you can't come there. So if the pass mark is 50, you have to get 75 before you can enter. That's biazo. It means that you have to force your way through. You have to go above and beyond. Because by default, they don't even think you should qualify. By default, they don't think you even belong. So you must have this biazo that I believe I am going to force my way through. Even though you say I don't qualify, I, I will go above and beyond. Because by default, with the same mark, they will rule you out. How many times have you spoken to the, some of these young kids? And I asked them, what did the guardian's counselor told you? And all of them, the guardian's counselor said, oh, I should go and do physical therapy. The guardian's counselor said, I should go and do social science. That's all the guardian's counselors tell you. The guardian's counselor never told you you can do medicine. They never, or you can do law. It's not an option for you. So you have to rise up above and prove to them, this, I also belong here. I said, rise up and say, I also belong here. I can also live here. Hallelujah. You see, but it doesn't come by just saying it. You must perform above and beyond. You must force your way through. Hallelujah. You know, some things are beyond you. And it takes biazo. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Souls are precious. And we must force our way through them. Amen. Yeah. Go beyond your normal circle. Go beyond our normal circle. Yeah. Go beyond our normal circle. I, 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 there's a barrier. There's a barrier. By default, you don't belong to that club. Are you hearing me? Even playing golf. I play golf. They don't, think we, they don't think we should play golf. And I've had a few incidents where people were. I was, one time I was playing golf with my buddy. And golf is considered to be a gentleman's game. It's the only game that when you play, you score yourself. Nobody scores for you. And we were playing the golf in a country club. And we were in the it's 18 holes. And we were on, on the on the on the whole number three or so, and I suddenly we saw the guy, the owner, the whoever was uh, on the club driving up to us. And when he drove up to us, he asked us, "Did you pay?" Because we were two black of us. Everybody there was white. Just the two of us. We were the only two black guys playing golf in the white country club. You asked me, "Why? What have you been doing there?" <laughs> He drove up to us and asked us, did we pay? Mimi, come on. I was quiet, but my friend was livid. <laughs> That's when I was quiet. I didn't even bother. 
my friend was lazy. What? You have the audacity to drive here. He says, the people ahead of them, the white people, did you ask them? Those behind, did you ask them? Why the two of us? He was raging. He actually drove back. I saw, I saw Rick. It doesn't matter. Say, Charles, they got to apologize. They got to apologize. Medium. No, he went back, called the manager of the. It's a big company. That this is what he got, and he is demanding a formal apology. And he did. He did demand a formal apology. And the, of course, yeah, I agree. And the following year, when I said, Will you join? He said, I'm not joining. What he demanded to, he cancelled. He said, I'm not doing it. I cannot be treated this way. Why do you think I don't belong here? Going above and beyond, you have to force your way through things because sometimes the deck is stuck against you based on your background, your education. Things are so you cannot just get there with ordinary achievement, you have to perform. Put your hand together for the Lord. May you be as your way through. I said, May you be as your way through. Some of you brothers, you are interested in a sister, but the sister is above you. You are, you are interested in a sister, and the sister is above you. And, and to get that sister, you have to perform. Your ordinary performance will not make it. Only, only, only that I'll give you a caution. I should tell them, eh? You see, when it comes to relationship, they look, if you are being asked to perform and above, don't bother because you cannot sustain it. <laughs> I'm telling you. You can't keep up. Because there was a, a sister. One of the weddings, there was a sister. They were in a relationship. And the guy kept on saying that, yeah, lose weight. So I, I swear, she was trying to lose weight. Lose weight. Said, you are too far. You must lose weight before I marry you. So the girl came to me and said, Reverend, I said, then, then, don't bother. I told her, it will not work. Because if you lose weight to marry him, can you continue maintaining this weight loss? So if he doesn't like you like this, then that's, it is what it is. Any man who's trying to tell you to lose weight before they marry you, forget it. I say, any man who demands that you lose weight before he marries you, forget it. Because it cannot be sustained. I'm preaching to you. In the same vein, any woman who's asking you, a brother, you have to get this, you have to buy this, before he marries you, forget because you can't. I'm telling them. If at this you are ready, she's asking you must get a car, you must go to school, you must get the degree before he marries, she marries you. Forget it. I'm preaching to you. You, you. you can't sustain it. You have to be yourself. I said you have to do what? Be when it comes to personally, when it comes to relationship and marriage, be yourself. Because you cannot sustain it. So if the person doesn't like you this, then forget it. 
So if the girl is telling you that, look, um, I think um, you need to get your masters before we can. No. Forget it. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Then the final word is Anadea. Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Luke 11, 8. In Luke chapter, he said that I say unto you, when you read the whole parable, he said that I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because of his because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give you as many. This when you go home, read the scripture. It talks about a parable of some guy who had a friend. And the friend came to him at midnight asking for bread. And the reason for that visit was that the friend has a guest and there's no bread in the house. So he went to see his friend that, look, I have visitors. I need bread. And he knocked. And the guy did not open. Then he knocked again. The guy did not open. He knocked again. The guy did not open. But he persisted. And the Bible said, because of the pers- his persistence or the importunity, which is the Greek word anidea, or which means shamelessness, because of his shamelessness and persistence, the friend eventually had to get up and give him the bread for the guests. And Jesus is talking about this parable that, you know, there's also something called being shameless if you want to win the lost, if you want to be a preacher, if you want to be a pastor. If you want to serve, serve God, there's some shamelessness required about it. In fact, that is one of the reasons why even a lot of preachers don't do miracles. Because you see, when you pray for the sick and they don't get healed, you can feel ashamed. But you see, if you are not willing to overcome that barrier, you will never see miracles. You must believe that the glory, be, like one friend of mine told me, the glory belongs to the God. Say, if the glory belongs to God, so is the shame. <laughs> so, he, <laughs> so he will pray over the sick anyway. That's what I say. Ah, if they get his glory to God, if they don't get the shame, also is to God. Yeah. Shamelessness. And I'm sharing this passage with us that, that there are some things you just have to be shameless about. You think about it. You think about it. If you were brought up from a proper home, if you grew up in a proper home, why would you go and knock on somebody's house at 12 midnight? For bread. I mean, 12 midnight, not 12 midday, midnight. I mean, what, 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 what family do you come from? That you go and knock on somebody's door, go, 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 12 midnight for bread. Ah, don't you have some for boys and girls? <laughs> Don't you have some self-respect? And, and you see, and the last time I said, you see, this is a problem that some of you who were brought up well, who came from a good room, this is one of the things that you suffer. This is one of the reasons why you cannot achieve certain success because you are too dignified. You are concerned about your dignity and your pride that you don't want anybody to think that you are some way. But it comes a time. You must slow down. You must, you must humble yourself. Put away your pride. You don't know how to cook. It's affecting your marriage. Just shamelessly go and ask another sister, please, can you show me how to make jollof rice? 
<laughs> but you don't want anybody to know that you don't know how to make it. And you feel too good about it. You don't know how to do something. Just be shamelessly beg somebody to teach you. But I tell you, there are certain stages in life. If you are not shameless, you will never get it. Yeah. You know, we have this, our own pride, our own dignity. So we don't want people to know what we cannot do. But let me tell you something. Do you know why he was shameless? He was shameless to avoid a disgrace. Because a disgrace. Put your hand together for the Lord. Because a disgrace. A disgrace was coming. He had guessed there's no food. Disgrace was coming. And it is better to be shameless to avoid a disgrace than to be quiet and be disgraced. Is somebody hearing me? It's better to be shameless. Shameless. Because a disgrace was coming. It is better to be shameless. Just go and confess and apologize to the teacher so that you are not kicked out of the class before you are disgraced. Actually, a problem for some who were brought up in a good home. You see, you don't want to inconvenience people. You don't want to bother people. You know, you don't want people to think that you're, you know. But look, it comes a point. Don't worry. Just bother. I say, just bother. Just irritate them. They may be annoyed, but you still, at the end, you still get what you got. Otherwise, you'll be disgraced. You say, shameless. And the, the, the Bible said that he got what he wanted, not because he was his friend. That's not the reason. He got it not because he was his friend. He got it because he was shameless in his demand. Yeah. Look. If we want to win souls, if we want to save the world, we must be shameless about the gospel. the shock of my life. Should I tell you what happened to me? You want to know? You like stories? I went to the bank to cash out money. This Thursday. And there was a queue, you know? There was a queue. Uh, just going to the teller. So as we were all waiting, then this lady, whom I don't know from anywhere, like an elderly lady, I think she's a Nigerian, as we were standing, I'm telling you, as we were standing in the teller, suddenly she decided that she's going to witness, evangelize. In a bank, in Bank of America, here. In the teller's line, where we're all there. As we're all waiting to go there, I've never seen something like that before. 
You know God is coming again? The world is coming to an end. In America, I'm not talking about Ghana. In America, here, in this Stand up witnessing. You must be saved. You must be saved. What an idea is this? You know how everybody stiffened. She couldn't care less at all. And then she started sharing tracts. I, I even kept the tract in my car just to remind me. Then when she got to me, he said, Take it, Pastor. And I said, Hey. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching her. I'm telling you. Then she, I, this woman doesn't know what he said. He said, You know you're supposed to be a pastor. I was shocked. He said, You are supposed to be a pastor. Like God wants you to be. I said, but my pastor. I said, Yeah. You know, he said, Do you know you're supposed to be a pastor? Among all the people. I said, Wow. God is trying to tell me something. But I received a call. I think that this is my call. For a stranger to meet me in public and say that God is saying that you should be a pastor. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But what amazed me was her boldness and her shamelessness. You know, you know how people are like, you, know, you can you imagine a bank, a bank, we're all standing in the line. In America. No, in fact, most, that, that's what it, most of the people thought she was mad. Like, what, who is this cuckoo lady? But she shared the gospel and gave us all tracts. Shamelessness. We are not ashamed of the gospel. Because it takes a lot of shamelessness to preach the gospel. But we are not ashamed. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's about time we put away our shame and our dignity and preach the gospel. Stand up to your feet and let's close. Put your hands together and let's close. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let us pray. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed. We are not ashamed. We are Yes, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you are watching on Zoom or you are on Facebook, but you are not saved. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We are not ashamed of the gospel. For the Bible says, it is the power of God. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. This Sunday afternoon, I want to extend an invitation to you. You know in your heart that you are not born again. You don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment. On this Sunday afternoon, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man? What shall it profit a man 
if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. My brother, my sister, your soul is at stake. So wherever you are, whether you are in person, you are on Zoom, or you are on Facebook, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. He says that if you believe with your mouth, if you believe with your mouth, sorry, he says if you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. So if you are not sure that you are a Christian, this is your opportunity. This is your chance. You want to be a child of God. Please lift up your hand wherever you are and I'll pray with you. Lift up your hand wherever. You want to be a, you want to be a Christian. Lift up your hand. It doesn't matter whether you are young or old. Lift up your hand. I see your hand. Lift up your hand. Male or female, come on to Jesus. Whether you are young, whether you are old, God is calling you. Don't leave this place without acknowledging him. I see that hand up. Anybody else? Come on to Jesus. God bless you. Yes, Lord. Let him have his way. God is calling you this Sunday afternoon. Come on to Jesus. Come on to Jesus. Oh, God. I see your hand. Come on to you lifted up your hand say this prayer after me and everybody join in Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father this Sunday afternoon, this Sunday afternoon I, come as a sinner, I come as a sinner have mercy on me have mercy on me I want to be a child of God I want to be a child of God Lord Jesus Lord Jesus thank you for saving me thank you for saving in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen Amen put your hand together for the Lord and be seated Hallelujah we are not ashamed of the gospel It's time for communion. We hope you've been blessed. Feel free to join any of our services. Contact us at qfcannouncements at gmail.com. That's qfcannouncements at gmail.com.